You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you as we continue our series, United in Generosity. There's so much division in the world. Can we not be united together in being generous people? Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible or your Bible app. Let us hear the word of the Lord. On their return, the apostles told Jesus all that they had done. He took with them and withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out about it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who need to be cured, who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to Jesus and said, Send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages in the countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave it to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Last night, uh, Christy and I went to dinner to celebrate her 30th birthday. Uh, Yeah, you can clap for that. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. I worked hard for it. Um, uh, And of course, since we went to dinner, uh, we got our kids pizza. Um, Domino's was having this fantastic deal yesterday. Maybe it was a youth group or a sports team. They were doing uh, medium personal pizzas for $4.99. Well, don't tell me twice. So we went and uh, I took the kids to Domino's and I said, you can have whatever topping you want. You can have your own pizza, one topping, whatever you want. I wanted, they, they, they felt like kings, right? They go in there and like, and of course they all got pepperoni. Except for Robert. Robert's like, I want bacon. And I said, I've never been more proud of you, son. Right? So we get these uh, personal pizzas. Uh, We bring them home. uh, And they're eating the pizza. We go out to dinner. We go to Fat Calf over in Shreveport, which is wonderful. Excellent. Uh, I ordered the duck. The only problem is they left most of the duck not on the (laughs) the plate. Right? Where's the rest of the duck? Like any fine dining experience, I can't wait to get home to have a hamburger, right? It was delicious, but wasn't, it wasn't enough, obviously. It takes a lot of fuel, you know what I'm saying? It takes a lot of fuel to power this engine, you know what I'm saying? So I got him. It wasn't supposed to be that funny, but anyway. <coughs> so, so I get home, and like all the pizzas are gone or whatever, and I, I open up the fridge, and I see the leftovers in the fridge, and all of the leftovers have been placed in individual Ziploc bags with their names on it. So what fresh hell is this? What, what, what is this, the teacher's lounge? Like, what do, you, what do you mean 
Like you're all claiming it. That's not how this works now. When you have your pizza, you can eat all of it. Once it goes into the fridge, it's Hunger Games, babe. Like it's, you know, now, now if you've, my, my, my dear wife, she doesn't get mad often. They know where this is going. <laughs> but eat a leftover that she's been dreaming about all day, hell hath no fury, right? So the kids are smart enough because when dad gets home, you know what happens, right? So they wrapped it all in individual, put their name on it. And I was like, what kind of communism is this? This is terrible. And then my sweet Anna Lee, my middle daughter, if you have a middle, she's the peacemaker. She goes, dad, you can have my pizza if you want. I said, thank you. And I ate all of it standing in the kitchen. (laughs) Full sight of all of them, right? Today, today we have, today we have a story about leftovers. What do we do with leftovers, right? The feeding of the 5,000 is one of the few things that's recorded in all four of the Gospels because it is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't miss this. It's one of the few things that all four Gospel authors remember enough to include in their stories. Don't miss this. Jesus and the disciples withdrew to a more private setting. They withdrew to Bethsaida. They wanted to be off the radar for just a bit. But then scripture says that the crowd found them. They didn't see them and they sought them out and they found them. And you know what this feeling is like. If you're a parent, you know what this feeling is like, right? Kids, it's time to go to bed. They go to bed. And then the seven-year-old peeks their head out of the, out of the door, right as you're filling your hand full of chocolate chips from the pantry. Dad, what are you eating? A handful of mind your own business, right? You know, this crowd, they find Jesus, right? We were doing, oy vey, like they were trying to withdraw themselves. They find Jesus. But here's Jesus. He doesn't reject them. He doesn't tell them to go home or like, we're busy. We're about to start a staff retreat. He doesn't say that. It says that he welcomed them. Then he talked about the kingdom of God. And then he healed all of those who needed to be cured. What a beautiful expression of what a faith community should be. Whoever came, whoever showed up, he welcomed them. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And then he healed all of those who needed to be cured. And we're living into that model uh, here at Asbury now that Maddie has joined uh, our staff team. Her expertise is in evangelism. And if you've spent any time at all with Maddie, you understand why that is her spiritual gift, right? I think she can convince a, she can convince a brick wall to join the church, right, if given, given enough time. She is reaching out. She's going to be leading us in evangelism, leading us into that welcome of those who may be calling Asbury home. And then, of course, Angela is uh, leading us with connection. When you're on campus and beyond, she is helping us be connected with each other and to remain connected with each other. And then Tommy, Tommy will be leading our spiritual growth. Where, Where do we go from here? That healing portion of that story. Tommy is a master of helping to heal the soul. If you have spent any time with Tommy, you recognize that he has a great gift to bring healing to the soul deconstructing, reconstructing, discerning how God is working in your life. What a beautiful rhythm for a faith community to have. Welcome, um, talking about the kingdom of God. I promise I wrote it down. Welcome, talking about the kingdom of God and healing all of those who are cured. This story would be great if it ended there. It would be polite, 
Um, it's uh, manageable. It's uh, we, filled with great expectation, uh, but it's something that we can handle. That's not where the story ends. The disciples go to Jesus, and rightfully so, they say, hey man, it's getting late. Like, we, we, we need to... We need, to, we need to let them go. I'm going to say, Jesus, release the crowd, right? We need to let them go because it's getting late and like, they need to eat something. Let them go into the cities and, and, and find something to eat. It is the hospitable thing to do. And if, if, you've, if you are a youth director or, who are, or if you've ever been a youth director, you're picking up what the disciples are putting down, right? You are always prepared of where the next meal is coming. You never leave on a mission trip with teenagers not knowing where dinner is going to be. Like back in the day, we would get out, there's a really cool thing, kids, there's a really cool thing called maps, like road atlases, and we'd like open it up and like map out our route and say, oh, the Cracker Barrel's at I-75 or whatever. Like we would map those things out because what you don't want as a youth director or mission trip leader is a bunch of hungry people in your car. It doesn't, it's not pretty. It gets ugly real quick. So the disciples are doing the responsible thing. They're doing the hospitable thing. They're doing the, go send them away, Jesus. The day is almost over. They need to eat. And what does Jesus say? You give them something to eat. Jesus completely ignores them. Jesus completely ignores their assumption of scarcity. We need to send them away. He goes, no, I've already welcomed them. I've been talking to them about the kingdom of God. I've healed them. They're not going anywhere. You give them something to eat. And of course, the disciples say, well, we don't, we don't really have anything. I mean, there's enough for us, but like there's not enough for them. Like we have, we have, we have food, I mean, we, we have bread and we have fish and like that's enough for us because like by all the pictures you see the disciples are really thin and like fit, like that's enough for them. But there's not enough for, for, for everyone, Jesus. Send them home, send them out into the community. Jesus completely ignores their hospitality, their responsibility, their sensibleness. He ignores their request because it is rooted in scarcity. Scarcity is an ancient and continual problem. When the man and the woman were in the garden, God said, you have use of 99% of all the trees, all of them, except this one. Leave this one alone. Let me cultivate this one. It's the knowledge of, of, of good and evil. Let, let me take care of it. Let me cultivate it. Let me water it. Let me take care of it. And 99% wasn't enough. And it still isn't. Scarcity is an ancient and continual problem. Scarcity always, the real problem is scarcity invites to the party his best friend, anxiety, and his cousin, self-preservation. When there is scarcity, there's also anxiety and self-preservation. When we don't think that there is enough, we become afraid. And when we are fearful, we become zealous in protecting what we think is ours. When scarcity goes to a party, he brings his brother anxiety and his cousin self-preservation. Sam Wells, a uh, fantastic uh, uh, theologian, uh, ethicist, he wrote this really great book uh, called God's Companions. Let me just say, like, I recommended this book to David uh, Burroughs, 
a former lay leader, and he actually read it, right? So, like, kudos, man. I, I, pre- I appreciate that. Because usually, like, I say this, but I know, like, um, Ellen Kyle right now, and, like, the smoke is coming out of her ears because she gave me a book, like, five years ago to read, and it's still on my shelf. And, like, every quarter, she'll say, have you read the book yet? I'm like, no. It's like this super, it's this convicting moment every time. I mean, I'm sorry, Ellen. Uh, David is a much better Christian than me. <laughs> Let me just say that out loud. I'm so thankful. But this book, it's really, really great. And there's, there's this excerpt uh, that I want to read in terms of scarcity and abundance and, and, and you know, understanding this. <clears throat> Everyone is called to a place around the table, whatever their gender, whatever their race, their class, whatever their orientation, their physical health or ability, their mental health or ability, whatever their social or criminal history. And this is not because everyone has a right to be there. It is because the church needs everyone to be there. The church does not need everyone to be there so as to ensure Christ will be present. The Holy Spirit is not dependent on human cooperation. The reason the church needs everyone to be there is first, so that it can hear scripture fully. Second, so that it can offer all of creation, not just a segment in thanksgiving. And third, so that it can eat and drink all that has been given and so that nothing is wasted. The crisis of the, here we go, this is the part you underlined. The crisis of the church is not scarcity, but it is abundance. The church is not thirsty, but drowning. It's not that God has withheld God's gifts, but that the church has been given too much. Thus, the church is desperate not to find resources of nourishment when God's spirit falls short, but to share and distribute and offer God's super abundant gifts universally so that nothing is wasted. In other words, our imaginations are so deprived by scarcity when we are in the context and when we are in the presence of abundance, we don't know what to do. We put pizza in Ziploc bags and put our names on it. What do we do with this abundance? Jesus asks the crowd to sit down. And that's not because it's easier to eat when you're sitting down as opposed to standing up. Jesus lowers their anxiety. It's one thing to stand about waiting for the line at the soup kitchen. It's another thing to say, hey, stop, sit. What Jesus is doing, he's chipping away at their sense of scarcity by saying there is enough time. Understand, the sun is setting when this is happening. The day is coming to an end. In most of the artist's renditions of this feeding of the 5,000, it looks like lunch. The sun is high in the air. It's bright and people are about. And No, the sun is going down. And he has them sit and stay a while because they think, the disciples think there isn't enough time. They're thinking scarcity. So Jesus says, no, there's always enough time. Have a seat. Stay a minute. I know the sun is going down. Calm down. When we sit, he immediately lowers the anxiety of the crowd. Sit. He then asks them to sit in groups of 50 because Jesus is a really good United Methodist and knows the power of small groups. (laughs) I joke, but please join a small group. (laughs) There are lots of, of, you can join the choir. The choir is here uh, today and we'll be here 
uh, weekly. You're going you're to hear about music later in our worship service of how to get connected with that. Join our pumpkin patch team. Join a disciple Bible study. Join a Sunday school group, right? Beer and hymns. Pick something. Small groups are important. Jesus says so, okay? If you need a reason, Jesus says, sit in groups of 50. And we should. One of the best examples of this, of the power of the church, is our care team. I'm going to brag on the care team for just a minute, specifically Bonnie Dominic and Kayla Miller. I'm going to let you in on the inside for just a second, okay? One of the areas in which I have zero anxiety as a clergy person is when there's a funeral and they need food and I have gotten in touch with Bonnie Dominic, right? I have never once had to say, hmm, I wonder if Bonnie needs me to follow up with that. If you know Bonnie, it's going to happen. It's going to be beautiful. And the people surround her do great work. And now Kayla has very big shoes to fill indeed. The power of these small groups that are deployed to share Christ, especially in the context of food, to let people know that they are loved and they are appreciated and that they are seen. It's always perfect and it's always a gift. Jesus takes the bread and the fish. He blesses them, breaks them, and give, this should sound familiar, and gives them to the disciples. And all had their fill. Here's the thing. When Jesus asked the disciples, you give them something to eat. And the disciples basically say, well, there, there's enough for us. The disciples aren't wrong. Here's the thing is that Jesus changes the definition of us. Jesus, there's only enough for us. And Jesus said, I know. And these 5,000 people are now us. Jesus changes the definition of us and continues to change the definition of us. Several years ago, uh, I had a chance to speak at Myers Park United Methodist Church, which, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was talking about my first book, Faith of a Mockingbird. Uh, and it's, it's about images of faith in To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, if you're in English and you're reading To Kill a Mockingbird, boy, do I have a great source for you, right? And after the presentation, uh, an African-American woman came up to me after uh, and met me like in the lobby and she goes, Preacher, you still made Atticus Finch the hero. And I was ignorant enough to say, because he is. And we had a fantastic, humbling and convicting conversation. She goes, sure, but you didn't mention Tom Robinson's wife at all. And after a long conversation that I needed to hear, she goes, look, I'm not asking you to write as a black woman. In fact, don't. What I am asking is for you to make room for my story along with yours. To make room for my story along with yours. When we gather for Holy Communion every week, yes, it is a remembrance of Jesus 
and his disciples. And the method, if you want to be, if you want to win Methodist Jeopardy, it's anamnesis. We remember, do this in remembrance of me. But it's also a continuation of the feeding of the 5,000. At the traditional site of the feeding of the 5,000, it's called Tabga, and I hope that you get to go there one day. Uh, it's in the Holy Land. It's on this beautiful slope over the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's uh, the, the traditional location where this happened. And I have a picture of it that I want to show you. There's a beautiful mosaic under the altar table of the fish and loaves. Here's the fun part. How many loaves are in the story? Five. How many loaves are in the mosaic under the altar table right near the rock where Jesus served? Four. Why? It's because the bread that is on this table that we receive today is to be the fifth loaf. The story's not over. We are still the group of the 5,000 seeking nourishment from Jesus. Here's the secret. The secret to hospitality, the secret of welcoming, the secret of making room for someone else's story is not building a bigger table. Maybe you've heard that. We need to build a bigger table. That's not the secret. The secret is knowing when it's your turn to get up and to make room for someone else. That's the beauty of Holy Communion. We all, all of us in this room are served from this table because we come, we receive grace, and then we get up and go and move and we make room for someone else. When we are filled with grace, what's the first thing that happens when you're filled with God's grace? You make room for someone else. And it's beautiful. And it's a continuation of this miracle. We are still this crowd feasting on Christ. The loaf that is on the table is the fifth loaf in the story. This is where us is formed. Yes, there is mission. Yes, there is music and praise. Yes, there is study. But here at the table is where us is formed. Jesus, there's only enough for us. And Jesus says, I know. And thousands of years from now, that us is going to keep getting bigger. You're right. It's just your definition of us is far too small. This is where us is formed, making room. It changes deserted places into places of abundance. Remember the disciples said, send them away. This is a deserted place. Or it could be the site of abundance for thousands of years. When we gather together, it changes deserted places into places of abundance. It opens our eyes to understand that my story isn't the only story that needs to be told. It opens us up to making room for others. It gives us courage to call scarcity a lie and to reject his friends of anxiety and self-preservation. It helps us understand that you don't put pizza in Ziplocs and put your name on it. Jesus has changed the definition of us and may we live as if we believe it to be true. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. 
Gracious God, we give you thanks for this ongoing miracle where 5,000 were fed in that day and thousands upon thousands have been fed ever since. Help us also to welcome those who are hungry for you, for the bread of heaven, to feast upon you in which we will never be hungry again because the story continues. Give us the courage to say that scarcity is a lie. Give us the courage to sit and to hold anxiety at bay. Help us to be fearless in our love and compassionate with your grace as we continue this grand story of feasting upon you.